crazy faith about what God is about to do in 2016. But I know he's not done with 2015. And I'm going to squeeze the, 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 all the, the success out of this year that I can out of God. I'm going to squeeze every soul out of God I can. Rip every sinner out of hell that we can. Just two more weeks and we got to just give God the best praise that we can. I, I, asked, I asked Jason to come sing a Christmas song. He said, I want to sing worship. But of all the songs he could have sang, this one about God's love surrounding us. God's love encompassing us. God's love coming to meet us. You know, this is the true meaning of what Christmas is all about. Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus coming. You see, we live in a generation where Christmas seems to lose its meaning every year. And along with it, Thanksgiving, might I add. We're losing the meaning of Christmas. And as a kid, when I grew up, my parents taught me very strictly that Christmas was about the Lord. And it was easy for my parents because they were broke. So it wasn't like they didn't want to buy me gifts. They couldn't. So they just said, this year we're going to buy gifts for someone else. And we would buy little gifts for other people, which means that if I buy a gift for someone else, we could never buy a gift for ourselves. Or we got very small things when I was very young. And Christmas is not about gifts. Some of you might be upset this Christmas. I didn't get any gifts. I don't know about you if you're mature. If you have grown up in your life, the older you get, the less gifts mean about Christmas. Uh, let, me, let me talk to some mature folk. The older you get, the more it's about family. The more it's about Jesus uniting your family for a time to celebrate the success of heaven. Do you know that the story of Christmas is the greatest smuggling story ever told? That God smuggled his son into this world wrapped in flesh. We had him born with no committee there to meet him, nobody there. There was no room for him when he came, and it seemed that no one was expecting him, although Abraham was promised that the Messiah would come. David was saying the Messiah would come. Isaiah prophesied the Messiah would come. Elijah told it that the Messiah would come. Malachi said the Messiah is coming, but no one was expecting him. Just like you might not expect much else from this year. But I would challenge you, God is trying to speak to you. I remember the last Christmas I spent with my father who has now gone to be with the Lord. And it's an amusing thing to me and my family because my father went all out this Christmas. I mean, he went all out. He finally had some money in his pocket, I guess. And, and he, he, he took and he went out on Black Friday. He bought everybody a gift. I mean, the neighborhood cat got a gift. Everyone got a gift. I mean, cousins, uncles, I mean, friends, everyone. And it wasn't one gift. It was two, three, four, five, six, seven gifts. He was giving out, you know, shirts, ties. He was giving out the big red jacks for the hydraulic ones for cars. But he was also giving out gag presents. And, and some of them, I can't say what they were. Uh, it's not made for the platform. But I was getting annoyed with my dad. But that year, I knew that dad loved me because of all the gifts he got me. And how funny is it that sometimes, just sometimes, we relate the fact that someone loves us based on what they get us during a holiday. 
Oh, you don't love me. You only got me this. What? And that year I knew for a fact that dad loved me. And the reason was because dad had gone all out. He had gone, somebody say all out. And if my dad had saved, shopped, wrapped presents, he hid them in every single corner of the house. If he had done all that preparation, how much more preparation has the father done to send the son? And how much more important is God's love for us that he would give us Jesus? God didn't just give Jesus to Mary. He gave Jesus to you, to me, to the person sitting right next to you. God gave Jesus to you as a gift. And this is the time of year. I know some people want to be super deep and super religious. Jesus wasn't born in December. Real Christians don't care. We pick the day, and that's what we're going to celebrate. And if I didn't know when my birthday was, I would pick a day like the winter too because everything else is terrible. I might as well have some fun one of the days. But we chose December 25th, and that's the day that we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior. And I want to read to you a verse, and then I want to talk to you on the topic I've entitled, This is Love. This is Love. And my scripture is not really a common uh, Christmas scripture, I guess you would say, but here it goes. Uh, Galatians 4, verses 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that, me, so that we might receive adoption as sons. I'm going to read that one more time. But when the fullness of time had come... God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Come on, bow your heads as we take a journey on what it means to be loved by God and how we can see God's love. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. Your Heavenly Father, we've already been in your presence. We've already heard from you. We've worshiped with you. You've blessed us with worshipers. You've blessed us with musicians and even the time to come today. Lord, we thank you for every single person who's come out to hear your word and to fellowship with the body. For the visitors, for the friends from other churches who are here with us tonight, we thank you, God. But Father, we didn't come here for Pastor Lewis. We came here for you to hear your word, to receive from you. So now, Father, we ask you that you would have your way in Jesus' name. Speak to our hearts. Come on, somebody say, speak to my heart. Holy Spirit. Amen. You all know me. I have my three points that I want to give to you today based on this simple topic. And I won't be before you long. Of This is, somebody say, love. You know, there comes a point in time in your life where many of you think you know what love is. Usually about 15 or 16 and do you remember when your parents would tell you, that's not love? You don't understand. I love Maria. And I'm going to spend the rest of my teenage high school years with her. But there comes a point in time where you find out what love really, somebody say, is. And you also, at the same time, find out what love is not. But in this verse that we just read, I believe with all my heart, is the epitome of what God has done for the believer for you and for me and even for those who are far from him. And so I want to look at verse 4 and 5 and just give you three points the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart about this text. 
And I'll read the beginning of the verse for you again. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Here's point number one. Perfect love has perfect timing. Perfect love has perfect timing. For thousands of years, Israel has been awaiting a Savior, a Messiah, promised first to Abraham. And then throughout the generations, God had kept on speaking about how he would come, where he would come, but not when he would come. And the last prophet we know of who spoke of the Messiah, Jesus, his name was Malachi. And Malachi wrote prophecies about Christ. And then Between Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament, and Matthew, 400 years pass where no prophet is hearing from God. No scripture is being written. And it would almost seem as if God has forgotten his people. 400 years go by and there is nothing but silence from heaven. It is as if the heavens were made of brass. And every time they called out to God, he did not listen. 400 years. But there Paul says in Galatians 4, 4, in the, somebody shout, fullness of time. Meaning when time was pregnant, meaning when it was exactly the right point in history, this this word, this phraseology, this thing where it says in the fullness of time is this picture, this picturesque Greek expression, and it speaks to something that is completely and fully developed like a ripe apple to be picked off of a tree. Ain't nothing worse than going to the grocery store and thinking you picked the ripe avocados. The laughing is testifying that you've been through the struggle of trying to have rice, beans, pork chops, and avocado, but you done picked the wrong one. And you're like, honey, what is this? Well, you picked it. Oh, whoa. But the Bible says that God did it at the perfect time, in the fullness of time. And historically, there is three reasons why God did what he did when he did it. Why God had to wait. And some of you think that God has forgotten you, but God is waiting for things in your life to be able to line up to do the thing he promised you. For if he does it too soon, it might be aborted. You see, some of you want God to bless you when you want and how you want, not realizing if God gave you what you want when you want, it might just be a miscarriage. And so the Bible says that in the fullness of time, point number one for the fullness of time is this, is the Roman Empire was in power, and it was, this was during the Pax Romana, the greatest time of peace in the history of the Roman Empire that Jesus is born. There was no war. There was no young men being called out to war, so Jesus would not have to be called out to war. He would be able to preach in the streets of Israel. Rome had built a system of roads that would allow the gospel of Christ, the gospel of Jesus, the good news that a Savior had come to be spread all over the world at the fastest pace in history. Because the statement says in history, it says all roads lead to Rome. It was true. They had nothing for the army to do, so the army built roads all over the kingdom to every single part of the empire. And on the the day of Pentecost, when the church was birthed, they had come from all over because there was a system of roads. Somebody say, in the fullness of time. The second reason is because the Greek Empire that was before the Roman Empire had taken over the known world prior to Rome and they had installed the Greek language 
as the lengua franca, as they say, the language of the whole world. In other words, ever since the time of Babel, the whole world had not spoken the same tongue. But now in the time of Jesus, in the fullness of time, you're talking about real love. God planned this bad boy out for you. In the fullness of time, Jesus is born into a world that speaks the same language so that when he speaks, everybody understands him. Everybody knows what he's saying. Everybody can have a, a sense of his, his dialogue and they can know the power behind his teaching. The third point about the fullness of time is very simple. Is that God used the captivity of Israel to spread monotheism. What is monotheism? That's a big word. It simply means this. The belief of one God and only one God. Because every time the Jews were defeated as a country, they were taken captive and placed all over the world. And wherever they went, they would set up synagogues and they would set up their temples and they would set up their societies. And all over the world, hear me now, the Jews had been preaching and teaching there's a Messiah coming. And so when the gospel hits the world, they've been hearing already the Messiah is coming and their hearts are prepared because the fullness of time. Perfect love has somebody say perfect timing. What God wants to do in your life is going to take perfect timing. It will take perfect alignment of everything that God desires to do. Or else it would not have worked the way he wanted it to work. Some of you wanted some things in 2015 and you demanded them from God. But God says to you, even this day, that if he had given it to you now, you weren't mature enough to handle it. I've seen people who can't even handle their own prayers. Oh, God, I want you to bless me with this or with that. Oh, God, I just go this way. God, I want you to bless me with the car. But then you can't even keep up with the payments. You, you can't handle your own prayer. God, if they're not for me, break them away from me. But when God does it, you follow them all the way out the door. Are you sure you want to leave me? I love you. We've got so much time invested, and God's like, you told me to do it. But you can't handle your prayers. You can't handle God really being God in your life. You want God to be what you want. But perfect love is perfect timing. Perfect love, perfect timing. Perfect love, perfect timing. That's love. He'll make you wait. My father made me wait till I was 18 to get my license. Perfect love, perfect timing. He knew that I was too crazy. He was right. First day I got my car, I got into an accident. First day I got my license, I'll say. I got the car stuck. I parked so close to another car that I couldn't even open the door. And then when I tried moving it, I hit the car. My dad was very smart. Perfect love, perfect timing. But he would also say, no, 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 Felipe, you can't do this in your life, kid, because you're just not mature enough to handle that. You're, you're not grown enough to see this kind of stuff in your life. You have to wait for this or wait for that. And God, in your life, he wants the perfect timing to line up with his perfect love. And so at the right time, God sends an angel to speak to a virgin whose name is Mary. And he discusses his plan. He says, Mary, my plan is to have my spirit overshadow you. You would give, you would give birth to a son. You will call his name Jesus. And he will be the Messiah, the king from the line of David. And God shares his plan with this young teenage girl named Mary who is engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Talk about inconvenient timing. But your timing is in God's timing, church. 
Perfect love calls for perfect timing. And so God tells Mary his plan, and Mary says, so be it as you say. Be it as you will it, O Lord. And this is where, this is such a beautiful passage, because this is where God fulfills the promise he made to Satan in Genesis 3.15, where God says this. He says that the woman, the seed of the woman will crush your head. No man had part in Jesus' birth. It was only a woman's seed. And this is true love that God would line up his word with his promises that God would go to us and he would send his son that he might save us. And Paul says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. In the fullness, somebody say fullness of time. In the fullness of time. Here's point number two. The power of the gospel is not that men went, but that the father sent. He said, he said this, he said, in the fullness of time, God sent. He, it wasn't like God sent him halfway to meet me. It wasn't as if God, this is love that he would send his son all the way to where I was at, that Jesus would lay aside his, his majesty, he would lay aside all of his heavenly privilege, and he would listen to the will of the Father. And he would stand in our place. When the fullness of time has come, God sent his son. It doesn't say that when the fullness of time had come, men went to God. It does not say when the fullness of time had come, man decided to be ready for God. It does not say when the fullness of time had come, man finally made time for God. It does not say that when the fullness of time had come, men sent for God to let God know we were finally ready to want him in our lives. It does not say that when the fullness of time had come, that man made the first move towards God. It says that while men were still in sin, while men were still far from God, while you were still away from his will, while you were not wanting him, not desiring him, not thinking of him, not worrying about him, that God sent forth his son. He sent him. He did not say, would you meet me at the corner of that little inn in Bethlehem that you can be saved? No, it tells us of this great love of the Father for us that he made the first move. Let me put it in terms that you might understand. When you see that girl or that boy that you are just so attracted to, you make the first move because you think you, you love them. Do I love you? Come here, girl. Just, are you crazy? For some people, it happens like that. Y'all think I'm, I'm playing, but when I first saw my wife's picture pop up on Facebook, I knew I was going to marry her. I said, oh, there she goes. Where you been at, honey? <laughs> it was midnight. Clicked the friend request. Bet. She accepted it even better. I inboxed her. Do I know you? I knew I didn't. I was like, hey, girl. I've been waiting for you for 25 years. Talk to me. Make the first move when you love something. And God loved you, and God loved the person next to you, and God loved the person around you, behind you. God loves the person you hate. God loves the people you can't stand. And Scripture says that he sent his son. He crossed a divide that you could never cross. He crossed it for you and for me. Could you imagine if Christ had not come? 
Could you imagine what our world would look like without Jesus? Could you think of the immorality we have today without the church as being the barrier? Could you imagine if the spirit was not hovering over the earth still and and working through the church? If if you had some cosmic power wipe out the memory of Christ and, and there was no story of Jesus and no transfiguration, there would be no Last Supper, there would be no Jesus on the cross, no poems from Dante or Milton about Jesus. If Christ had not come, there would be no Christian hospitals, no Christian schools that have had influence all over the world. There would be no churches doing the good works of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There would be no Concordia University. There would be no DePaul University. There would be no Notre Dame University. There wouldn't be a Harvard. There wouldn't be a Yale. There wouldn't be Yale Hospital. There wouldn't be a St. Vincent's. There would be no Christian radio, no K-Love. K-Love. There would be none of that. There would be no crusades, no Martin Luther, no Reformation, no missionaries saving people all over the world. There will be no Christians digging wells across the world. There will be no Christian doctors, lawyers, dentists, no godly business people in the marketplace, no Christmas carols. There will be no Easter. There will be no resurrection. We'd be in a mess. But the Bible says that in the fullness of time, he has sent forth his son. If I did not have him, I'd be in bad shape. But he sent his son. Without Jesus, there would be no hope. But God knew, God knew that we had a condition that only he himself could fix. You see, if Christ had not come, there would be no bridge across the gulf of sin that separated us from God. Maybe you're new here. Maybe you don't understand what I'm talking about. The gospel in 30 seconds is this, is that when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we inherited the sin that they committed. And that sin separates us from God. It separates us from being eternally with God. And when we sin, we're children of wrath. We're not children of God. And so God saw a problem and God loved you so much. And he said, I don't want my son, my daughter to be departed from me for the rest of eternity. So God sends his son. Henceforth, Christmas, the birth of a savior, the happiest day of the world, the birthing of God's unplanned, the unraveling of salvation before mankind. This is the gospel that God saw a divide between you and him when he built a bridge and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And maybe you know Christ, maybe you know him, maybe you serve him, maybe you walk with him. But today, this season of our lives is a time to give God gratitude for the bridge he's built over sin. Maybe your issue is not to accept Christ, but yours is to give God thanks. Because the gospel is here and it's good news. And the power of the gospel is that God sent his son not just for a select few. There's many who believe that, that bad theology, that only a few will be saved. That's garbage. For Luke 2.11 says, fear not for I bring you good news. This is the angel talking to the shepherds. It's a great joy which shall be to all people. For unto us this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, Messiah, the Lord. This is love, church. This is real love, that a father would send his only son. And for who? 
for the children of his enemy, Satan. For the children of his enemy. What does that look like? That is the equivalent of an American soldier sacrificing their only child for ISIS. That's what God did for us. We were his enemies. We were in sin. We were away from him. We were disgusting, covered in sin, whether small or great. And you may say, well, I'm not a bad person. It's not about how bad you are. It's about how good God is. And because God is so good and God is so righteous and God is so holy, even on our best day, as I always tell you, you will never be good enough. But in Christ Jesus, in Christ, in him, God has taken a thousand steps towards men. For in Jesus, Christ has taken the steps that we might be, somebody say, saved. In the fullness of time, perfect love, perfect timing. Not that men went, but that God sent. I was studying, and I came across this quote. I decided to use this quote as my third, my third point. And usually my third points are always original. All of them are always original. And it was really long, so I, 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 I Facebooked Ruthie. I said, my third point is really long. You're going to hate me for your graphic that you always do on Facebook. But when I heard it, this quote from C.S. Lewis, it sums up the gospel in such a way. And it says this. Are you ready for a church? The son of God became the son of man so that the sons of man can become sons of God. The son of God became a son of man so that the sons of men can become sons of God. That's all right. You can praise him. That's all right. I'll wait for you. This is what it says. Paul says this. That in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, meaning the Mosaic law, the, the Ten Commandments, and all the 600 and plus laws that God had for the people of Israel. Jesus was born under it. And this law showed people how bad they were. It showed people how much they could not live according to the law. I don't care how hard you try, you were going to break one of the Ten Commandments every week. Every week. It's hard. It's, it's not easy. And man found this out when God gave the law. And Jesus came living and born under the law. But he fulfills the law in the same way when Adam sinned, all that sin was passed down to all. When Jesus got it right, God took that and passed it down to any who would receive it. And the Son of God became a son of man so that the sons of men can become sons of God. That's the power of the gospel. That God came to us to save, to deliver. And what does Paul say at the end of that verse? So that you can be adopted. And I know what you're thinking. Adoption is not a great thing in this society. They don't always get treated the same as birth of natural kids. But in the Roman culture, adoption was the greatest thing. People who had no kids or had no heirs to their family inheritance would adopt a son. And it wasn't like it is today that you would adopt somebody and then when you die, you might get that inheritance. No, it doesn't say that. That's not how it was. The moment you were adopted into the family, you had the full power and authority of the father. And so what does Paul say? That you and me, sinners, can be saved. We could be adopted as sons of God and daughters of the King. 
Yeah, that's the gospel right there, church. That God had perfect love and perfect timing. That he sent his son so that the sons of men can be sons of God. Can I tell you something? That is what Christmas is truly about. It's about God unraveling his plan of salvation for the eyes of men to behold. We might come before him and admit our guiltiness, accept his sacrifice on Calvary that he would make. But none of it would be possible without the baby in the manger. And it was the baby in the manger that would save us from the father's anger. It was the baby in the manger that would take us from the punishment of our sin. Was him. And tonight, as we're here today, over 2,000 years after the fact, that baby is pretty much grown up now. He's our risen Lord, He's our risen King. And we give God praise for that. And listen to what Paul says at the last part of that chapter, of those segment of verses. He says, and because you are, somebody say, you are. Look to somebody next to you and say, you are. He says, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer a slave to the works of Satan. You are no longer tied to the works of darkness. You no longer have to be wrapped up in the things of the world because of Jesus. Because of the birthing of a Savior. There's hope for the lost. Hope for the hurting. Hope for the broken. And maybe your year hasn't been great. Maybe you've had the roughest year of your life, but you can take time right now in the roughest year of your life to give God praise for the greatest moment in history. Because just because you're going through something doesn't mean you can't celebrate God's goodness. Just because you're enduring a hard season doesn't mean you negate the faithfulness of God and you say, God, you're no good because I'm going through. But that you would say, God, I know, I know, I know you're with me. I know. And he said, you are no longer a slave, but you are a son, a daughter. You're a son and a daughter. This Christmas, I want to challenge you, church. I want to challenge you that you don't lose focus based on what someone did or did not get you. Ladies, if you don't get that purse you want, don't be upset. You don't get those botas you want, don't be upset. Fellas, if you ain't get that gaming system you want, you don't get those Tims you want or whatever you want, that ghetto gold chain, I'm just kidding, but whatever you want, realize that you already got everything you need. And that is Jesus Christ. The son of the living God. This is love, that perfect timing and perfect love collided and that God sent forth his son that we might be called sons 
of God. Do I have any sons and daughters of the king in the house today? If that's you, come on, jump to your feet and begin to praise him right now with your lips. Open your mouth and declare, God, I thank you. God, I'm thankful. Maybe you're not saved. Maybe you haven't prayed the prayer, but you can thank God for hope. You can thank God for, for the peace that is awaiting you. Would you thank God right now? Somebody shout it out. I'm no longer a slave. I'm called by God. He sent for me. He wants to love me. We thank you tonight, Father God. You're a good God. We don't want to complicate the Christmas message, God. It's about your love and how you loved us. And so we celebrate you tonight. We celebrate you. And tonight we can call out to you, Father. Because the word of God says in Galatians 4, 8, that your spirit is in us and inside of us it cries out to you, Abba, Father. And so we cry out to you now. We cry out to you and we say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Dad, for this gift you've given us. Thank you, Dad, for salvation. Thank you, Dad, for your son. Thank you, Father God, would somebody begin to bless his name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you've got nothing to say, say thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. We bless your name.